Today's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Jasmine. Good morning, church. My name's Dave Kilpatrick. I have the enormous privilege of serving as the director of ministries here at Cary. And um, I love this service. I love commissioning service. Can I join in the welcome of Mark and Peter? And for all of those who have visited from other churches and faith communities around the city, welcome. We don't take your presence with us for granted. It is a privilege to be able to join with you and recognise that you're stepping out of your own, uh, own communities for this day. And I love the fact that at Kerry we have people from all over the city, from different denominations and churches and expressions of faith in Jesus serving in this place. It makes us richer and deeper. And uh, we all serve as followers of Jesus in this city on the mission of God in this city and in this world. And I pray you take our blessing back to your communities as, as they serve in their own areas. Late last year, I walked across the road early in the morning as I do to take the dog uh, across for his morning walk. And I was just listening to the daily meditation of uh, the scripture as I often do. And the scripture that morning was the scripture that Jasmine wrote to us from Luke chapter 7. And it's the story of Jesus having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And there's a woman who's described as a sinful woman who lead a sinful life at the table, at the meal. Um, and she has this emotional encounter with Jesus and something is occurring there. And, and Simon's sitting back critically and saying, well, if this was really a prophet, he would know who is touching him, the sort of woman that she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus, Jesus knowing uh, what Simon's thinking, turns to him and, and says, Simon, I want to ask you, tell you something. And he tells the story about the two debts. Two people owe, each owe a debt. One's a big debt, one's a small debt. They both owe it to the same person and neither of them can pay and both of them are for, have the debt forgiven. And then... Jesus said, who do you think loves the more? And Simon says, well, I suppose the one who's forgiven the more. And Jesus said, well done, you got it right. And then the scripture goes on to say, Jesus then turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? Now, I must have heard that scripture lots and lots of times. I've read it lots and lots of times. And I've always sort of seen it as, well, there was a reorientation. So you had a conversation here with Simon about the story and the debts. And then he says, turns over here and says, Simon, do you see this woman? But as I was just standing in the park, watching my dog wander and just reflecting on this, this, 
this deep and haunting question that Jesus, I think, was actually asking settled into my soul. And it's, Simon, do you see this woman? And the answer to that was no. He didn't see this woman. So to understand that, let's have a look at the the context. The house was a Pharisee's house. Most of us will know the Pharisees were a particular sector of the Jewish community who were pretty passionate about the law of Moses. And they were sticklers for obedience. And they had all of the other traditions and laws around it that they were diligent in applying themselves to, to ensure that they were obedient to God's word and they remained pure and holy. And they tended to be the religious sort of ruling class and they were, they were passionate about God. They were passionate about obedience to the law. They knew the scriptures really, really well, probably much better than any of us do. The scriptures being the scriptures they had at that point in time. And they knew what a sinner was and they knew the punishment for sinners and they, we don't, aren't told what the sinful life this woman led but she clearly had a reputation she might have been in that day a public prostitute we don't know but she was in Simon's mind a sinner and she would have known who she was and she would have known the way in which she was perceived by the Pharisees she would have known that she would not be welcome in his house she would only receive judgment and condemnation as in fact she did. But she'd heard that Jesus was going to be there. And so with intention, she took an alabaster jar of perfume, probably expensive perfume, and she went to see Jesus. And the commentators suggest, well, how did this happen? They said, given that Jesus by this stage was a public figure, just a few verses before in Luke chapter 7, Jesus had raised to life the dead son of a widow and given him back to his mother and people were amazed and word of this Jesus was spreading around Judea and so Jesus had a name, he had a reputation, he was a public figure and because this Pharisee had invited Jesus to to dinner, they might have left the doors to the courtyard open so so other people could come and, and observe the meal, listen to the conversation that was occurring. Now, A woman 2,000 years ago, it wasn't so flash. They didn't really have rights. They certainly wouldn't have been invited to partake in this, this tabling that was occurring, this meal. And yet this woman, not only was she prepared to step into this Pharisee's house, who she must have known would condemn her, but she she approached Jesus' feet. And she wept. She wept and the tears wet his feet. And then she, she knelt and she, she washed his feet with her tears. He, she wiped his feet with her hair. She kissed his feet and anointed his feet with perfume. This is a profoundly intimate, vulnerable outpouring of love and adoration and affection for this Jesus. Extraordinary. And Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? We're not told whether this woman had had a previous encounter with Jesus. We don't know whether they'd met, they'd talked, whether she just heard him preaching, but she sensed something about him that she knew, notwithstanding the attitude of probably everyone else around that table, that Jesus would receive her and receive her offering. At home, we have um, little word, I don't even know what they're called. What are they called, Bonnie? Letterboards. There are a board that you put letters on and you can make messages and words and all sorts of stuff. And, and um, 
sometimes beautiful, meaningful words are put up and then the kids come and manipulate them and they're not so beautiful and meaningful. One of my favourites is just two words. And it says a lot about our family. Firstly, enumerate. We do a lot of enumerating in our family, particularly when there's a point to put across. There's usually we can divide that into seven points. And well, firstly, so firstly, enumerate. But the other, uh, a couple of months ago, Vonnie uh, put this letter board together. There is nothing to prove and nothing to protect. It's a quote by Richard Raw. And I think for perhaps the first time in this woman's life, she found a place where she had nothing to prove and nothing to protect. She was just loved and she was welcomed and she was accepted. In reality, the only place where there is nothing to prove and nothing to protect is in love. And it transformed her. Simon, on the other hand, Simon knew stuff. See, Simon knew the scriptures. He knew the law of Moses. He knew the commandments. He knew that this woman that was touching Jesus was a sinful woman. She was a sinner. He knew that potentially, according to the law of Moses, she should be stoned. He knew that if this man was really a prophet, he would have had insight into these things and he would have known the sort of person who it was that was touching him. And he would have known if he was a prophet from God having such discernment, he would have known God's attitude to such a woman and he would not have allowed her to touch him and engage in such a disgracefully intimate show of affection. Simon knew these things. And he was so wrong. He was so wrong because the heart of the God he was dedicated to was at his table. And that heart was transforming the story of this woman in a profoundly intimate and beautiful way. And Jesus said, Simon, do you see this woman? And he didn't. Now, we can, get, we can get reasonably critical of Simon, standing back 2,000 years. Um, and we have to ask, well, this would have been noticeable. It's not as though this is people would have noticed, Simon noticed. The people standing around would have seen what was going on. People would have been looking and, you know, that uncomfortable feeling when someone does, you know, something at the dinner table and you're thinking, oh, what do we do now? Particularly when there's guests around. This would have been felt... So what was Simon listening to if he couldn't see what was occurring? And some stuff we know, some stuff we're not sure of, but we, we can conjecture. I mean, he might have been listening to what he knew God would want to do to this woman. He might have been listening to what he knew was the appropriate response to her sinful life. He might have been listening to his own skepticism about Jesus. You see, the Pharisees and Jesus, they didn't have a very good relationship. And, and clearly Simon wasn't inviting Jesus as a loving disciple. There was a, there was a curiosity or skepticism. And, and he's saying, clearly, if this guy was a prophet, i.e. he's not, perhaps Simon was listening to his own embarrassment. So there's this public figure, Jesus. He's invited him to his table. He's invited his Pharisee mates around who congregate at the synagogue. And, and all of a sudden, instead of this impressive reclining and eating and fellowshipping and talking and conversation, there's this spectacle of this woman that's engaging in this act he didn't even comprehend. What's the gossip going to be at the synagogue? Did you see what, did you hear what happened at Simon's house? That sinful woman was there and he was, it was just, did you hear? I mean, perhaps Simon was preoccupied with the sense of what is going to be said about me and my reputation. Perhaps he was just ticked off that he'd gone to all this effort and invited this and all of his mates and, and the, the, he was being 
uh, prevented from being the center of protection because this was happening. We don't know what Simon was listening to, but we do know. We do know that he wasn't listening to the heart of God. We do know that he wasn't listening to what was transforming in the heart of this woman as she just wept a grace and love she'd never encountered. Kerry is a community of people with a common dream. We, we long to see a world transformed by the love of God. We long to see families transformed by the love of God. We long to see lives transformed by the love of God like this woman's life was transformed as she count, encountered the wonder of love and forgiveness and grace. And we engage in that dream by developing our community platforms as places where people can experience the love of God. Where people have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and where together we can demonstrate God's heart of compassion to the world. We want Kerry to be a place where people will experience the love of God. The challenge for us is that we know from our own experience that if, we, if we're not heard, we don't feel loved. If we're not seen, we don't feel loved. I know with my kids, it doesn't matter how much I love them, if I'm actually not listening to them, and they know that, they're, they're not feeling my love, they're just feeling put aside. How am I able to be obedient to the call of Jesus to love my neighbour if I'm really not interested in their story? And how can I really listen to their story if I've already judged it, if I've already evaluated it, if I've already critiqued it and them and who they are and what they are and where they should be and where they shouldn't be and all of the other things that I can tend to do? I cannot listen So I think as we go on this journey, the theme of this year is humility, learning to listen. Humility is one of our core values at Cary. And without humility, we can't actually listen well. Because without humility, I'm unable to accept that perhaps I actually don't know. I wonder what the response at the table would have been if instead of Simon thinking what he thought, he said to Jesus, who is this woman? just opened a possibility of him not knowing. I wonder what Jesus would have said. Without humility, I can't step out of my own agenda and preoccupation and suppositions and prejudices and insecurities to actually see the person in front of me. And as we go on this journey together, this year of learning to listen, I think it can be helpful to actually start to pay attention to what we're listening to. At any given moment, we're listening to a whole pile of stuff, as my ugly face on the screen will show. That wasn't... That, there, I had different words. I had humility and kindness and something... <laughs> I mean, there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on in our head when we're, we're engaging with people. And sometimes I'm not even aware of it. And all of that will prevent me saying yes to the question, David, do you see this person? We need to start to become aware of what we're listening to in relation to the person in front of us or the community that seems other and ask ourselves, does that sound like Jesus? We've looked at the woman and we've looked at Simon. We actually haven't looked at Jesus yet. In the passage just before this passage, Jesus is having a conversation with the crowd about John the Baptist. And he's saying there is, there's been no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. And 
The scripture says in verse 29, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law had rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus then goes on and and talks about how he can compare this generation. And then he says... For John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and you said, he has a demon. And here he's really talking about the Pharisees and the experts in the law. But the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, but the Son of Man, when he comes, he comes eating and drinking, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her children. So he's just, he's just reflecting the attitude of the Pharisees towards him. And the next verse says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at his table. When one of the Pharisees invited him to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. See, Jesus knew the Pharisees didn't like him. Jesus knew the Pharisees would be one of the key groups that would agitate to have him crucified. And when we hear this story, we like to to identify, well, the the, the woman, the poor, she was great, and Simon, he's meanie, and, and we see this extraordinary thing in this story that Jesus holds a space at the table for both. These are two polarized extremes, the hyper-religious person and the super-irreligious person. And both find a place at the table with Jesus. He holds a space for them both, even when he engages with Simon. He doesn't storm off and leave the table. He just draws Simon into a conversation that reveals or gives him the opportunity to see the state of his heart. We live in a world that is increasingly polarised. There's them and us. Social media, people are able to sit in their lounge rooms and log personal hand grenades at the other, whoever that other is, and it's getting increasingly aggressive and vicious and polarizing. It's in politics, it's in religious discussions, it's just about everywhere. And as we, as we hear that, as we listen to that, as we listen to the words that are spoken about the other, whoever it is that seems to be on the other side of the spectrum for us, whoever it seems that would push our buttons or offend us or want to persecute us or whatever it is, when we hear that, perhaps we can ask the question, does this sound like the voice of Jesus about that other? Does this sound like a voice that will hold a space at the table for the other? I think one of the first things we need to do as we go on this journey of learning to listen is pay attention to what we're listening to. See, the church, we can can engage in the polarisation. We can actually hold a space at Jesus' table for both and put aside our prejudice and what we think we know and actually listen. And perhaps... Over time, when Jesus asked me the question, David, do you see this person? I'll be able to say, Jesus, I think I'm, I think I'm starting to. We want Kerry to be a place where people can experience the love of God. Imagine if it could be said of us. If you go there, they will hear you. If, you. if you go there, you will be seen. Imagine if it could be said of us, they will love you. And it doesn't matter who you is. 
Because Jesus calls us to love our enemies. And I wonder, I just wonder, as we do this journey together, as in humility we start to learn and new ways to listen. I wonder whether our hearts will be softened and transformed as much as the people that we are listening to, as we are both drawn closer to the heart of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, You so loved the whole world that you gave your son. Lord Jesus, you said you did not come to condemn the world but to save us. And Lord Jesus, we need saving. Lord, we thank you that you hold a space at the table for us where there is acceptance and forgiveness where there is nothing to prove and nothing to protect. And Lord, this this message of reconciliation you have given to your church, this message that you are not counting people's sins against them and they are welcome to come to the table and be with you and have your love transform them. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the stirring of this theme this year. But Lord, we need your help. Father, would you soften our hearts so they would be more like the woman who just in abandon and powerfully poured out her love and affection. And less like Simon, who thought he knew. Lord, would you soften our hearts? Would you take us on this journey so that the defining thing about our ministry would be your love? and your character, and your heart. Lord, we pray this in your name and for your wonderful glory. Amen. Hey, we now have the privilege of moving into the commissioning part of the service. And uh, we have uh, an extraordinary community of leaders that lead right across Kerry. And I'd ask them if they could make their way up this side of the serve, up the, the stage, you know who you are, and one day just along here. Um, can I also invite uh, Charmaine Hugo and Dr. John Ollie um, up to the stage? While these leaders are making their way to the front, can I also ask, and not, not all of them were able to be here, but can I also ask any of the members of the Kerry Board or the Kerry Governors Council that are here, can I ask you please to stand? I want to acknowledge and honour each of you and the ones that are unable to be here today because they're tied up in other leadership positions in other churches. These people give of their time and their expertise and their passion and their prayer and their wisdom and carry a significant load on behalf of us for God's ministry. And I'm profoundly grateful for that. And it's a privilege to serve you as you seek to serve the community. And my prayer is that in your service in this capacity, you would continue to be blessed and anointed for that purpose. Can we just express our thanks to these guys? Thank you. Now, because of carriers in all different parts and places, not everyone will know everyone. So I'm going to very briefly just whip down the line and introduce you so that when you see them, you go, I know you, and no doubt you'll remember their names. Kelly Cochram is our wonderful principal of the Harrisdale Primary School, one of the foundation teachers. Brendan Gifford, who started his life at Kerry as a chaplain, is the principal of the Harrisdale Secondary College. Jet Harris is perhaps most important person on the entire campus because he is the manager of Timber Cafe and that just enables us to continue that and the Holy Spirit. It's an awesome combination. Uh, Mrs. Jennifer Argue is the executive principal of all of the Cary Colleges and was the foundation principal of the Harrisdale uh, Primary School. 
Ms. Neverlane Lindquist is uh, a new member of our staff last year and she is the wonderful Director of Human Resources and People and she is a gift to us. Graham Watson is the CEO of Right Track. He's uh, heart and dream birthed Right Track and continues to lead that uh, in both remote communities and in Banksia. Uh, Dr. Brian Harris, he used to be on the board, is now the um, leader of Avenir Leadership Institute, and it's a joy to have you uh, in, that in that capacity. Peter Scott, two metre Peter, um, devil on the basketball court, I'm told, uh, is the senior pastor of the Kerry Church at Harrisdale. Gert Strydum is the executive manager of business services and just ensures that everything continues to tick along. Tim Dawesman is the director of business um, and Tim is a long-standing member of the Kerry community also. Mark Lilly is the prince, uh, pastor, senior pastor at Forestdale Church and also the founding pastor there. The incomparable Mrs. Jo DeHoop is the director of Jump and if you've not met Joe do so because you'd be in for a treat. And Mr. Nigel Wise is the foundation principal at Forestdale Baptist College. And um, I have the extraordinary privilege of serving with these leaders. And they are diligent and humble and they wrestle for the benefit of the staff they lead and the families we serve. I would also like to... Um, Dr. John Ollie is on stage. John was for many, many years a, um, one of the members of the board. And uh, John first started Carey coming into our home group. Steve Azette, the pastor, said, John Ollie's going to join your home group. He was the principal of the Baptist Theological College. Von and I were terrified. We thought, oh no, this is going to be a disaster. But John and Elaine are just beautiful, beautiful people. And sometimes when I'm talking to young guys, I'll say, how do you want to mature in old age? You can go this way, or you can mature to be someone like John, who is open and welcoming and encouraging. And uh, John's going to pray for these leaders. The other person I would like to introduce is Mr. Charmaine Hugo. Um, Charmaine has taken over as the chair of the board for the Carey uh, organisations after Brian, and I am just delighted by that fact. Charmaine is a wise, discerning, intelligent kind lady who I'm looking to see how she is going to shape and mould us and I think she reflects some of what Kerry has been called to be. So thank you Charmaine and now I'm going to hand over to you. Thanks Dave. Today we meet together as God's children. This is solely because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and what he is still doing in us and in this community and in the world. We are here today because of Jesus to enjoy him, to worship him, to give thanks to him, and to follow where he leads, to commit ourselves to his purpose and to God's call on all of us as God's children in this place. We know that God loves the world and that he is at work in the world for its redemption and for his glory. God's love expressed and demonstrated most profoundly in Jesus and in our hope and the hope of the world, we recognize that we are called as part of God's work, as messengers of the hope. And we have, because of Jesus, to minister and work in Kerry, either at Forestdale, Harrisdale, or beyond. As part of today, we charge all the various people who serve and minister at Kerry. However, all these entities flow from the mission of the church, and therefore it's rather fitting that we start with the churches for them to commit afresh um, their mission in God in this place to be standing practically and spiritually with all of you in, who serve in various ways and beyond the Cary campuses. So I'm now going to ask Pastor Peter Scott, the senior pastor at Harrisdale, to charge um, the Cary churches. Thank you, Charmaine. Can I ask, if you uh, call Cary Baptist Church, Harrisdale or Forestdale, would you like to stand with me as we take this charge? I'm going to give you the uh, charge, invite you to respond on the screen, and, uh, and here's what uh, the charge is. So recognising that the colleges, Jump, Timber and Right Track Foundation flow out of the ministry of our churches, and that the leaders standing here on stage and all of their staff 
are on mission in this community with us, with gratitude in our hearts for them. Will you commit to serve them, to partner with them, to pray for them and to stand beside them as together we serve God and bring a message of hope and compassion to our community and the world? And the church said, with God's empowering and in Jesus' name, we will. Thank you. And now I'd like to invite Mark to uh, come and pray over us as a church as we step afresh into our role of supporting and holding the caring ministries before God. You're going to pray there, Mark? I'm going to pray here. Awesome. Would you join me as we pray? Father God, we thank you for your church universal and for the many churches that are represented here today. We thank you for the church you have established here at Harrisdale and, and also the church at Forestdale. And we pray that you would help us as your church to support the colleges, Jump, Timber and Right Track. Help us together to serve you faithfully in all that you call us into. Help us to minister into the communities that, we're pl that are planted here and help us to show your love and compassion to all of those around us. Continue to fill us afresh with your spirit so that everything that we do and all that we are flows out of and is enabled by you. Amen. Now I'd like to invite Charmaine to come and charge the leaders of our various missional platforms. To you, to you, the leaders of Curry Church, the College, Jump, Right Track Foundation, Timber, Avenir, am I leaving someone out? Curry Strategic and Curry Central Services. I invite you to respond to the following charge. As you lead in this community, will you endeavor to do so with humility as directed by Philippians 2, verses three to four, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, serving those you lead with respect, courage, humility, integrity, and kindness. Thank you. And I invite Dr. John Ali, retired board member, to pray for our senior leaders. And I invite you all to make this your prayer. For I open up with our Father. We thank you that when Christ ascended, he gave gifts of people for the building up of the church to equip all of God's people for your ministry of love in the world. And we thank you for these leaders whom you have given, leaders who have sensed your call and enabling. We thank you that they bring to you what you've given to them, abilities and knowledge, expertise and experiences. Continue to richly grow them in their service. By your spirit, Empower them in the variety and the multiple demands of their differing ministries. As they lead their teams and interact with others in the community with respect, courage, humility, integrity and kindness, may this fruit of your spirit be evident as you continue to shape them into the likeness of Christ as they face challenges and unexpected situations, grant them wisdom, trusting perseverance, and joyful hope, as we know it is your spirit that leads forward. Our Father, you have given these people, and we look forward to seeing what, by your grace, you will do through their ministries. May their teams flourish. May many come to give glory and honour to you through their service. May many come to see and follow Christ. Thank you for your calling to all of us into your mission of love in this world. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you to all senior leaders. You may now go and find your seat, but don't sit down. Because if you are employed, 
or volunteer across for caring ministries in any capacity. And that includes those now leaving this stage. I invite you, whether employed or volunteers, to please stand. And Charmaine will then give you four charges and invite you to respond to each one. Thanks, Charmaine. Thanks, John. So these, this is for all the people that work at Kerry, whether you're paid or unpaid. Please could you respond to the following charges and your response will be on the screen. We are all called within the vision of Kerry to be a community of hope and compassion. Will you endeavor to live and work hopefully because of Jesus, bring about peace in your work situations and demonstrate the love of God to each of those we serve as you exercise your gifts in this community with joy, thankfulness and humility. Will you encourage and serve one another with gratitude, reminding each other that our work at Kerry is more than the earning of a living or occupation, but is part of God's ministry of grace in this community, a work he has given us the privilege of being involved in together? Recognizing the responsibility given to us by the parents and families who entrust us with their children and by those who come to us in need, and recognizing that we are part of the work that God is doing in this place and in this community. Will you carry out your work and ministry at Cary with all your heart and ability for God's glory? <laughs> Lastly, as we pursue excellence in all that we do, will you choose to love each other and the people who are drawn onto our campuses as Christ has loved us, recognizing that whatever else we may have, Whatever else we may achieve, if we do not have love, we have nothing. Thank you. You may be seated. I will now pray for our leaders, staff, and volunteers. And after me, Pastor Pete is going to pray for all the children and the students that we connect with, teach, and minister to here at the campuses. And then Pastor Mark will pray for the parents and families of those children and the broader community as we minister to them and serve them. And because we care for you so well, we, and we look at you as holistic beings, we're concerned about your physical health as well. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And there's a possibility you might have to sit and stand again later. So please, would everybody stand as we pray for our leaders, staff, and volunteers? Father God, we thank you for today, where we can start another year, gather together as your people, and again align who we are and what we do with your will. Father, we thank you for the serving hearts, industriousness, and fruitfulness that you have brought to our Carrie family. Thank you for bestowing all the talents and giftings represented here today, and for the obedience and faithfulness of those who serve you and our community. Lord, we pray for your abundant blessing over our leaders, staff, and volunteers. We pray for protection from everything that is not from you, for spiritual growth and righteousness, and for an overflowing of your spirit in our hearts so that we may serve and love you com with compassion, grace, and hope. Lord, will you guide our leaders and direct them as they seek to navigate your people through these ever-changing times. Provide them with strength, wisdom, discernment, courage to do your will in step with your spirit. Fill them with your love that they may lead your people eagerly and willingly. Bless our staff, Lord. Give them strength, energy, drive, and compassion. Lord, may all our staff be men and women of prayer and peace, of faith and vision, wisdom, courage, of strength and gentleness. We lift up our volunteers to you, Lord, and we praise you for providing workers as gifts to your church to support and care for your people in faith and love. We pray that you will equip them with every spiritual gift that they might need and that they might serve you with humility and joy. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being a part of what you are doing on our campuses, in our churches and community. And we look to this new year, Lord, with excitement, expectation and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, Father, we pray for our children, the children that come to this community, the children that are in and around Kerry. 
We lift them up before you. Kids in our uh, care, students at our schools. We thank you for each one of them. Thank you that you've made each one of them specially. Father, we pray for their health. Pray for them in this time that you would protect them. And we pray for their growth as they grow academically, emotionally and spiritually. Father, would you help this to be a place where they are nurtured and challenged in balance. That as we, as teachers, as educators, as people in the church, as people in this community, that we might love them well so that they grow. And Father, we pray that each child in this place would know that they are loved. Loved by the people around them and loved by you. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Father God, we give you thanks for each and every person that we get to journey with here at Kerry. We pray that you would be present, powerfully present, ministering through the work of your spirit in the lives of each person. Every person that we have the privilege of ministering to here in our various communities. We pray that as people interact with Kerry, that they would experience something of your love, your kindness, your goodness, your grace and your compassion. We pray that you would bring restoration into relationships that need to be restored, that you would bring healing to those who are broken. And we pray for the many people who have yet to say yes to Jesus, that they would come to know you and the fullness of life that only comes through knowing you. We pray that your spirit would bring flourishing into people's lives and homes and that you would continue building us into a flourishing, healthy and vibrant community of hope. We pray these things in and through the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This concludes the commissioning part of the service. Wasn't it a, a wonderful time of gathering and of committing ourselves in this year to our Lord and Creator? Thank you to um, everybody who participated today and a special thanks to our senior partners who made today happen even in challenging times and where we had to postpone it. So I invite Dr. Um, Brian Harris now, who will be leading us in communion. Hey, if you were to ask any theology students, so what are the two most significant sacraments of the church? What are the two most significant sacraments of the church? They would answer baptism and communion. And it's really rather special that today we get to celebrate both of those. We've celebrated three wonderful baptisms, and baptisms remind us of entry into the life of Jesus. Baptisms remind us that new life in Christ is possible. Baptism is an entry into the life of the church, and it symbolizes all that's been made new. As we have communion, it is a reminder of who we are, who we are as the people of God. And we remind ourselves that as the people of God, we are actually the community of the cross, gathered around the cross of Jesus, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, remembering what Jesus did for us. And so we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, do this in memory of me. Do this remembering me. Now, now, now when you remember, you can primarily just be uh, kind of remembering as nostalgia, remembering the good old days, remembering as things used to be. Or you can remember to really remember who you are. And when we remember in communion, we remember who we most deeply are. We are the people of the cross. We are the people of Jesus. We are the people who are gathered because of Jesus and because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So in just a moment, we're going to take the communion. You should have found a little cup on your, on your seat. If by any chance you don't have one, just raise your hand high and some will be able to bring one to you, but there should have been one in your seat as you, as you came on in. It is a little bit of a logistical challenge, I must admit, you've got to come and somehow manage to take off the first layer, and that will give you a little wafer. Don't be fooled by the wafer. I mean, it is 
to be honest, it's like really pretty anemic looking, but there's nothing anemic about Jesus. His body was real, his life was real, and it was broken for us. And you'll taste some, some grape juice and yeah, it's a pale representation of what it really is. The very lifeblood of Jesus poured out for us. So in just a moment, we will take and we will eat. But let's remember that we come and we gather. We gather around the table as the people of God. We gather remembering that though we are many because of Jesus, we are one. We gather remembering that on the night of betrayal, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, it is given for you. Eat it in memory of me. And we remember that he took some wine and he said, this is my lifeblood. It is poured out for you. Drink it in memory of me. Before he handed out the bread, before he handed around the wine, he gave thanks to God. Let us give thanks to God for his extraordinary gift to us. Oh Lord Jesus, for your body that was broken, for your blood that was shed, for love that goes way beyond our understanding, for a new life where we have nothing to prove, for a new life where we are invited to simply bask in your love and in your forgiveness, for being part of a community, a community of hope, a community of the cross, a community on mission, a community of love. Oh Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. Amen. There's no great rush, but when you're ready, eat the bread and remember this is the body of Jesus. And when you're ready, drink what reminds us of the very blood of Jesus and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lord, we, your people, made new because of your body, because of your blood, because of your life, because of all that you've given to us. We, your people, remember and say thank you. Amen.